0: So, who was here last week and got to hear Nick Kelly preach? Yeah, okay, many. And those that weren't, I'll just fill you in real quick. This young man is in his young 20s, attends this church. Donna and I have the blessing to be very good friends with his mother and his father. Dan knows them well, too. I see him shaking his head. Great family. And when you know the heart of this young man and his love for Jesus Christ, he got up there last week and he preached with authority. He preached a very clear message. And I was amazed. You talk about, we're talking about significant events of specific people. I thought of him. God yeah, put him on my heart. a significant event in his life that he will never forget. And the specific people that were there, many of us got to hear that and witness that. As he told us about we little Zacchaeus. And he reminded us that we are a chosen people. Well, this morning we're going to kind of capitalize on that. Talk about why we are a chosen people. We'll get into that a little bit. What transformation does in an individual. That's what we'll focus on this morning. But it was such a big event in his life. And when I opened this morning, I told you about that thing that stopped me in my tracks that made me kind of step back for a minute. And I think a next day event I think of the big event in my life, and many of you have been asking about this. So I've got to give this as an opportunity to update you. With his permission, my brother has given me permission to say whatever I want to say about him. Actually, so be ready for maybe a little extra. No. He did <laughs> give me permission to share whatever I needed to to update you, because he knows you've been praying. Well, a couple weeks ago, my brother was involved in a very significant event in his life: a car accident on on four thirty between Trimble or uh, Illinois and thirty nine. Well, in this accident, it was bad. It was a hard impact, hard car collision. It changed his life, changed many of our lives in some ways that we don't even realize right now. And through that moment, many of you ask how he's doing. Well, he is in Akron, it's Summa Akron City right now. Dan had to me on the difference between those two hospitals this morning, but he's in Summa Akron City. He has started therapy, all his surgeries, um, to our knowledge right now, are done. Went well. He's very positive mindset. Wants to get to Galleon a little closer. That could happen today, hopefully tomorrow, but soon. But his right leg, one of his legs from hip to ankle basically is steel now, the rod. His other leg from hip to knee was shattered in 40 places. Several broken ribs, slightly fracture, slight fracture in the neck um, that's said to that heal itself, it looks like. Um, broke arm, two steel plates in his right arm, already had one and the impact was so hard that it bent the plate that he had in his arm. They received from back when we used the kickbox. I've always told him not to not the kickbox. It didn't come from me, by the way, but no. It bent. It. The impact was so hard it bent his plate. So they put two, he broke his arm put two steel plates in there now. But it's so awesome. Funny word to follow all that, right? But it's so awesome because his brain, his heart, his organs... All down the middle of his body is fine. Seems to be just fine. And he started his therapy. And through the accident, through all those injuries, he said three things, or a few things that really stuck out to me through this. He said he has felt God's presence more in his life right now than ever. See, he's a believer in Jesus Christ. and he's felt, He said he's felt God's presence more than ever right now in his life. That's the first thing. God works through it all. He said he's very thankful for the people around him. I want you all to know that he specifically has said more than once he's thankful for your prayers. So keep them coming. He's thankful for his family that's around him. It's kind of rattled him a little bit, appreciative for who he has in his life. He's thankful for the medical team that led him where he needed to be. And each step of the way to get to Akron, his therapy at Akron. He's thankful for it all and the other thing he said that really stuck with me is he said god has work for me to do that's the third thing he said that really stuck with me is god has work for me to do and there's a spark lit right there and we need to keep praying for that because god is working through it all it's amazing and it's going to lead us right into this encounter with saul this morning really well because see my brother was on a road they had a very impactful encounter. it dropped him literally Drops him physically lifted him spiritually. It's taking him where he needs to be a step further, and there's work for him to do. See, in this encounter with Saul, when we read, you're going to see Saul gets dropped physically, lifted spiritually. He has people in his life. That significant event will happen, specific people. He has those people in his life that's going to lead them right where God his be. That's what we're going to see this morning. But before we do, we got to talk about Stephen. See, I don't want to get to Saul without Stephen. You might ask why, why. Why Stephen? Well, there's two main reasons why I say that. One is because it's the first time in Scripture that Saul's name is brought up in this significant event in Stephen's life. This is not the same Saul in the Old Testament, for those who may not know that. They both work on the child of, of Benjamin, but this is a whole different time frame. It's not that Saul. This is the first time he's mentioned in the New Testament Scripture. Is during this event in Stephen's life. And the other reason why you may ask is because I feel like it's very important when you're going to talk about something or preach about something to kind of fill people in on what's going on, what maybe led up to that. See, it's not just the encounter itself, it's God working all through it, even before the encounter. There's things taking place leading up to it. God's plan cannot be stopped. That's two reasons. So who is Stephen? Stephen is one of the first deacons of the church. Stephen is a man who gives one of the longest speeches in the New Testament that actually will lead to his stoning and his death in many ways. And Stephen is the first martyr of the church. Stephen is a zealous man. He has zeal. He's good at what he does. He's relentless. He's passionate about it, and he's good at it. He's being used by God in amazing ways. See, he's selected as a deacon because what's going on is the twelve disciples... They're kind of getting sidetracked, by the way to put it. They're getting spread thin, a little overwhelmed. They should be focusing on preaching so other things are getting neglected. So they gather all the disciples together and they say, choose seven men from among you who will be appointed to do these tasks for the church. Well, Stephen is one of them. He's one of the first deacons. Well, obviously, there's opposition to the disciples by the word. Acts 6, verse 5 tells us Stephen is a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter six, verse eight, it tells us he has grace. He's full of grace and full of power, and he's doing these wondrous, mighty works by God for God through God. Well, obviously, this is not received well. They don't want to hear about Jesus Christ. They don't want to see the gospel being spread. And Stephen is doing amazing things. Well, he gets set up. He's working for the Lord, and he gets set up. What happens is there's false witnesses brought up, and he has to go before the council. And he stands before this council because they're opposed to him. He's, has, he's got basically answer to them, give an account. And they're there, and and he is relentless. He has this outward persecution against him, knows what could be coming, but yet he has an inward peace that can't be faced. Scripture says he had a face like an angel. He had this calm about him, even, even during the storm. He knew he couldn't be touched. And he's standing before them. He gives that longest speech I mentioned. I'm not going to read it all for you, it's in chapter seven. That maybe is as long, I'm as telling you. Tell me. But for the sake of time, we we'll won't read. But I'll give you about a three-sentence summary of it. He stands there, passionate, zealous, and says, Let me tell you something. Basically, here's the history of Israel. Here's the history of Israel's resentment and rebellion against God. And by the way, your fathers did it, you're part of that you're a bunch of stiff-necked people, and you killed Jesus Christ the Messiah to save this world. Basically, that's what he told me. Now, obviously, that don't go over with at all, and that's what we're going to pick up with our first reading this morning, is going to be in Acts 7, it's going to be verses 54, and we're going to go through 8.5 in Acts 7, it's on page 11.43. And then the focus scripture, the encounter, will just be a couple pages over in that Acts 9, verses 1 through 22, or page about 45. But if you want to follow along, I'm going to start off. Acts chapter 7, verse 54. Now when they heard these things, this is right after the speech, I just gave you a brief summary. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they tried out with a loud voice, and they stopped their ears and rushed together at him. I mean, imagine this scene right now. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. So you have a Leviticus 24, 16 happening right here. See what I mean by that? In Leviticus 24, 16, it says, Anyone guilty of blasphemy, the whole congregation should take them out and stone them. So you have that happening right here. They've taken them out and they're stoning him. They don't like this. So they throw it out and they stone him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet, and here you go, the first mention, here's his name, at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice. And for many, these words may ring true to some of you. They're very familiar with, with words that Jesus says when he's being crucified. He says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep like Jesus. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Stephen had those words similar to that. Picking up in chapter 8. And Saul approved of his execution. So there we start to learn about this man, Saul. He witnesses this. Not only witnesses it, now we learn he approves of this execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. Here's a little bit more about Saul right here. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged all men and women and committed them to prison. This man, men and women, he wants them in prison. Stop, stop the spread of the gospel. Lock them up. Put them on trial. Put them to death. See, we have to know this before we even get to this encounter. This is the man that believing in Jesus Christ is going to transform. Picking up in verse 4, and I really want you to get this in verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about... What's that say right there? Preaching the Word. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the Word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Our first point this morning is God can use anyone and anything for good. God can use anyone and anything for good. See, I told you it's important to know about what's going on before, because before you even get there, God is working in it. This anything right here is persecution. He is even using persecution and evil, because why, why did I say pay attention to verse 4? What's happening? This evil man saw these lack of people up trying to stop the spread, stop the Jesus followers. Stop the spread of the church. While he's trying to do that, what's it in turn really doing? It's scattering it. And what happens when it scatters? It's spread. And what's that mean? The gospel of Jesus Christ was being spread. God is using persecution to do that, the anything. Who's the anyone? Saul. We've learned a little bit about him. I want to tell you a little bit more about Saul. See, we know he, he, he witnessed it. We know he approved of it. And I'm going to let Saul, his own words, explain to you who he is. Okay? Listen to these words. Here's a little bit more about who we're dealing with here. Who's going to encounter Jesus. In Galatians 1.13, this is his own words. He says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age and all of my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. So here we see he's a Jew. He's the chief persecutor of the church. He wants to exterminate the church. He's zealous, like Stephen. That's something they have in common, actually, Stephen and Saul. They're enemies. They both have an amazing zeal passion. And he's not stupid. Notice he's educated, best in class, knows the ball, lives the ball. The man that's bred a scholar, learned from the best. That's who we're dealing with. But see, don't stop there, because there's something neat about this man. He's not just a Jew. He's also a Roman citizen. This is Saul of Tarsus. He was born in Tarsus, the city of Cilicia, a free Roman city. So he's a Roman citizen as well, dual citizenship, dual names. See, when I go through this, and you think Saul to Paul, I don't want you to think Saul to Paul as two totally different people because of a, a, a human name. See, Saul was his Jewish name. That's his Hebrew name. Paul was his Greek name. Saul means asked of God. Desired. We're going to see this man is desired by God, and asked and pulled by God. Paul means little or small. We're going to see this man be made little so big things can be done through him. That's who we're dealing with right here. And when you think Saul to Paul, I want you to remember it like this. It's Saul to Paul. It's A to Z. It's 100% from start to finish. I am born again. I am new. I am a new creation. Not because of my physical name, but because of the Holy Spirit in me. Call me Saul. Call me Paul. Call me whatever you want. If he was standing beside me today, I think he would say, call me a child of God. If we're going to have names, my name is a child of God. And i got one citizenship. It's not Jew. It's not Greek. It's not Gentile. It's in heaven. That's what I think. That's who we're dealing with right here really sets up the encounter well. That's the man that's encountered Jesus Christ. So let's pick up again this encounter. Acts 9 verses 1 through 22. Like you read, but a great read. We're blessed and privileged to read about this encounter. And we're going to read it all the way through. And we're going to draw a couple of key points from it. Verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. And keep in mind, Damascus here isn't around the block. It's not down at Circle K. Damascus here is 135 miles away. It's like going from Cleveland to Columbus. A six days journey on foot. That's this man. He wants to go get him. He wants to get the Jesus followers, get the Christians, get the disciples, bring them back to Jerusalem, lock them up, put them to death. Hatred. Probably one of the men who hated Jesus maybe the most in Scripture that's him. Was opposed in so much in his followers. That's that's Damascus. He says, so that if he found any belonging to the way, which I love that, you know, this group of people belonging to the way, belonging to Jesus Christ, right? John 14, 6, the way, the truth, the life, belonging, believing in him. Found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. We're in verse 3. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I'm going to stop there at verse 4 for a minute. Because I love this. And we could go through a couple weeks just on this. See, in Paul's own account of this encounter in Acts 26, he tells us this was in midday. This light shone brighter than the sun. And notice here it says shone around it. Not just in front, around it. What a light this is. And he says, Saul, Saul, don't read that as Saul, Saul. He's saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you sinning? And I love this. Because in order to be a saint, we must recognize our sin, our need for a Savior. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. He says, why are you sinning? Why are you persecuting? Ask yourself that question. I find it so interesting that we ask ourselves sometimes, why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we here? It helps so much with discernment and next steps in life. to just ask the simple word. Why? He's saying, so why are you persecuting me? And those two letters, me, they're huge. Because that tells us when we believe in Jesus Christ and you persecute the church, you persecute Jesus Christ himself. See, if I get stabbed in the arm, my head knows it. (laughs) Trust me. My head knows it. And Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And you persecute me, you persecute him. You persecute you. You persecute him united in Christ. That's what Saul's doing right here. He says, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? I love those four words there. Who are you, Lord? Because you know what? It gives me hope. Who are you, Lord? How awesome it is and how much hope there is when a sinner inquires of who the Lord is. When somebody wants to know who Jesus Christ is, there's hope in that statement. Who are you, Lord? He Yes, you don't know Who's who's speaking to me? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city. He don't say, go if you want to. This is a command. He says, but rise and go into this. Enter in the city and you will be told what you are to do. Here's these significant people. Specific people in his life in this moment, in this road. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. He's blinded physically, but oh boy, will he see so much better spiritually. So they led him by the hand, where he needed feet, and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. We're going to stop there for a moment and give the second main point this morning, is God will use significant events and specific people to show the way. See, I mentioned earlier my brother, the road he was on, the significant event, the specific people, the medical squad that led him where he needed to be, the people doing therapy with him right now, step by step, literally holding him by the hand, leading him where he needs to be, where God is going to need him to be. We trust and we're confident in that. He's thankful for all that. That's that significant event and those specific people that God is using See, Saul has this significant event that he will never forget. The specific people leading him away. What about you, brother, sister? What about you who are in here for the first time this morning? What's your significant event? Who are your specific people in your life that you look back and have helped put you right here, right now? God has used them in your life, those moments. Every encounter not being overlooked. It's all being used by God. Trust in that. Be confident in that. My brother is. Saul is. We all need to be. That's such a huge point. Let's move on. Verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him, Ananias reminds me of me a little bit, by the way, which we'll see. He says, the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight which I learned, by the way, when I was praying to the shrine. But the street called Straight is an actual, it's still a street that is active today. I didn't know that. Many of you may know that. I didn't know that. Was very, that was interesting to me. But this street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he had seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But, there it is, but Ananias' answer, I love it. He just says, here I am. And now he says, Oh, my Lord, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. He's a chosen instrument of mine. Like Nick reminded us last week, we are chosen. Why are we chosen? similar to Paul right here, similar to Saul. He says, to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. There's work to do. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. He who once persecuted me will be persecuted for me. What a transformation this is. Suffer for my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him. He said, brother Saul, And I love that as well. Brother Saul, just like that, right? He goes from enemy to brother. Just like that. A cross that once divided him and Stephen, now unites him. A cross that divided him and Ananias, now unites him. From enemy to brother. Just like that. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. And check this out. Watch this. Don't And immediately, immediately, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed. Talk about transformation. Who is this guy? Is this not this, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of all those who fought upon this name? And he has not come here for this purpose? to bring them bound before the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Our third point this morning is a true conversion to Christ produces change in a person's life. A true conversion to Christ produces change in a person's life. See, he immediately shared Jesus. Who was Saul? He went from chief persecutor to preacher. He went from a man who was hunting, praying after Christians, to pray, pray with them. And for them. that's transformation. That's who this man is. He, he's known as the apostle who he, he says it himself. I preach Christ and Him crucified. It was all about Jesus and how I let His words explain a little bit about who He was before this encounter. I'll let His own words explain a little bit about who He is after this encounter. In Galatians two twenty, these are His words. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer me. Call me whatever you want. It's no longer me. I've been crucified and it's all about Christ. Paul has own words again, Romans 1, 14 through 16. These are his words after this encounter. I am. We had Ananias with his I am, right? Well, Paul has three of them right here. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Here's a second I am. So I am eager to preach the what? Gospel to you also who are in Rome. And here's his third one. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. And in Romans 1.1, 1, 1, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ called to be an apostle and be set apart for the gospel of God. That's who this man is. And how does this apply to you? The Jew first, and then the Gentile? I would say, how does it not apply to you? One of the biggest reasons we're sitting here, this man has a lot to do with. So if you're wondering how that applies to you, right there, don't overlook that opportunity. That and that. Be thankful for that. It's huge. That's how this man has changed. That's his own words. He never tired of sharing the gospel. Never tired of it. And he never got tired of sharing his testimony. In Acts 22, he gives his own encounter of this encounter. In Acts 26, he gives his own account of this encounter. All throughout Philippians, all throughout the letters, he speaks to who, excuse me, who he is now in Christ. He recalls this encounter. Never tires it. Knows he has work to do. Submission for commission. He was all about doing to work for Christ and it all costs. See, how I keep saying it's all about Christ. And I started before the encounter. That's for a reason, brothers and sisters. Because you have to see Christ in it all. See, we started with Stephen. What did he, what did he show us? Stephen, before the encounter, saw who? Jesus. Jesus was in it in the beginning. Before the encounter even started, Jesus, he saw you. And what does Stephen remind, of, remind us of? That following Christ comes with a cost maybe even death. During the encounter, who did Saul see? Jesus. Jesus is in the middle of the encounter. What does Saul remind us of? That the only way is Jesus Christ. The only road to salvation, the only road to eternal life is Jesus Christ. That's what Saul reminds us of. What does Ananias remind us of? He heard from Jesus. Jesus was there. He heard from him, right? He's present in it all. And Ananias reminds us that it's not easy. It's not comfortable. He says, here I am. Oh, but you're asking me to do something that's not easy? Yeah. That's what Ananias reminds us of. And Saul, after the encounter, I think we've just seen that. What does that, what's it like after the encounter? He's seen Christ. He's seen Christ and it changed him. And Christ is in it all throughout after the encounter because that's what the man lives for. He's a true follower of Christ. And a true conversion of Christ produces change in a person's life. I'd like to ask you this morning about sharing the gospel, about sharing your testimony, about asking that question, why? Why am I here? What am I here? We have to stop for a minute and not overlook that. See, this whole series of encounters, it's so that we can go out and take every encounter be that specific person in a person's life of their significant event. See, we're all going down a road. We're all going down a road. Very beginning, my brother was on a road, right? Saul's on a road. We're all on a road, and we're all called to be a light. We've got to witness the biggest stoplight in the history of mankind on this road this morning. Right in the middle of the biggest stoplight ever came, right? That shone all around brighter than the sun. I hope that stoplight on that road sticks with you so much that God's work can stick with you this morning. Lord, when you're traveling for the rest of your life, when you see a stoplight on the road and it turns green, you remind yourself it's for you to go. And not hit the pedal for go for Jesus Christ, to share Jesus Christ, to share your testimony. Because it's not just about you. It's not just about that, but also pouring into people. He was their light. Who are we pouring into as we close, I want to give ten ways that Paul, after this encounter, here he's pouring into some. he's pouring into Timothy. And when I read these, I thought, I have to read these. Lord willing, I have to read these. Because every single one of these are for me and you. And as I read these, I would love for you to tune in more, just tune in so good right now, just be asking yourself each one of these, okay? This is, this is Paul to Timothy. Ten ways he needs to live. Ten ways he needs to be on mission for Christ. He says, be a good soldier. Don't neglect your spiritual gift. Each and every one of us have a spiritual gift. Simple question. Are you using it in your life right now? Don't neglect your spiritual gift. Guard your spirit of life. Denounce all sin. And I love that because denouncing all sin makes me think of it. Call it what it is. Call sin sin. Call it evil. Speak out in the world. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't tiptoe around. Call it what it is. And it also reminds me to despise sin. The sin in your life, if you're a true converted follower of Christ, it's going to convict you. It's going to annoy you. You're going to hate the sin in your life. That's going to lead to a true repentance. That you're going to truly turn from and change your ways. Denounce all sin. Be impartial. Pursue righteousness. Give yourself to God's Word. Do you do that Monday through Saturday? Do I do that Monday through Saturday? God's Word, like we're in right now, blessed and privileged to be reading it, hearing it, listening to it. He says, flee from sexual sin. I love this one. Be firm, but gentle. I like that. Be firm, but gentle. We have to be firm. We have to tell the world what it needs to hear. A world that wants to stop the church in many ways. We can be firm with that. We can be firm in our own life. We can. I can be firm with you. You can be firm with me as brothers and sisters. That's what we're called to do, right? That's a way to hold each other accountable. Many ways to do that. Be firm, but gentle. We do it in love, but we speak truth. That's true love. Speaking truth. And this last one, talk about transformation. This man saw. I would say this one right here hit me the hardest. Was what 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 this man was on mission to do. Bring others to Christ. He went from having a zeal to kill to a zeal to be used to save souls. I pray that that's our passion, our zeal. We need the zeal. I always say if we're breathing, it's for a reason. If we're breathing, it's for a reason. Because I want to remind us, I want to bring up that robe one more time. I want to bring up the Fourth of July because we just thought of our freedom a lot. Well, Paul's words once again, I'll use his own words in Galatians 5.13. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. See, we're free, all right, but we're not free to do what we want to do. We're free to do what Christ wants to do. Our freedom is to work hard. There's work to do, but not necessarily what we always want to do. We're here to work for Christ. I love that. And while I'm bringing up the road again, is because this is a fact. This is truth. This is reality. This is a significant moment. I truly believe right now God's word, we know it won't return void. There's a reason this word is going out this morning. And it's for all of us. And I truly believe this because this is true. We are all on a road right now. And there's others that are on a road right now that we don't know and we do know. We're called to be a land. Maybe we're the person that get on their road, stop them in their tracks, knock them down physically, Drop them to their knees so they can be lifted spiritually. Blind them so that they can see. That's what we're called to do. Because that road they're on is going one of two ways. See, it's not going to Damascus. It's going to heaven or hell. It's one of those two. That's where the road's going to end. And there's also going to be a rapture coming down the road. Either a rapture or they're going to take the last breath. Whichever comes first. The bottom line is it's coming down the road. Mm -hmm. We're called to be a light. Because one day we're all going to be face to face. I'm wrapping up this series with this statement. We're all going to be face to face with Jesus Christ. We're going to encounter him again in our life. And it's a way we all know is coming. <clears throat> and at the end of that road, I'm sure all of us want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. Not the words, depart from me, I never knew. Mm-hmm. That's, right. that's the choices. That's the road. And even if we're going to hear, well done, my dear faithful servant, let our love for others be so strong. Let us be transformed so much because of our encounter with Jesus Christ that we don't want our loved ones, we don't want those down at Circle K, those over at Walmart. Who cares? Go up to them. We have nothing to lose because we have gained Christ. We have to do it. See, God used that anything and anyone at the beginning, but how did He use it? It said they scattered, and what were they doing? They were working for God. They were preaching. He used them to make persecution be for His good. In this world that we live in today, we can't just sit back and be like, this world gets better. No, we're here. We're alive. We're part, we're the part to make it better. That's the light we need to be on other people's road so that they. And hear well done, good and faithful servant. So they can earn have an eternal reward, a crown of life, instead of condemnation to hell. Let us love them that much, and let us go. Let's close in prayer.